Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We have a special guest on today. She is a registered nurse, a professional powerlifter. She's a coach. She's doing a little bit of everything at the moment. Welcome, Paige Mills, aka Biker Biddy. What's up, guys? How are you? Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Like, we were just on this call before saying, it's so weird that we haven't actually met because it definitely feels like it. And I think every time we do get someone on the podcast that we have on social media, it's a bit like that. You know, you feel like your best friends getting into it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I know your boyfriend's mum's name. (laughs) (laughs) She follows me on Instagram, so probably. (laughs) Uh, How have you been? So all three of us are in lockdown at the moment, us Victorians. We've Mm. definitely drawn the short straw in this situation, but how are you coping with everything? Yeah, I'm okay. So um, Geelong, I live in Geelong. Geelong's restrictions aren't as bad as Melbourne. So we can still go out and get takeaway food. Can you guys do that? No. You go to a restaurant and get takeaway? No. No, we can't actually. Mm. All right. And we don't have a curfew and like I can go for a drive to go for a run and that sort of thing. Um, But I know you guys can't do that. So how are you guys? What even is going for a drive? Like what are these things? I've forgotten what life is at the moment. Hey. Do you know what I did for the first time ever? Two nights ago for the first time I used Uber Eats. I've never used it in my life. Never downloaded it. (laughs) Really? It's like Luke's, Luke uses it like every second day. Sorry, Luke. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm about to get my period. I just want a bowl of pho. I was like, I just wanted a bowl pho. of pho. Well, that was your period food. Yes. <laughs> I wanted, like, like, you know, a big wall full of pho. Bowl of pho. I'm all tongue. Anyways, ordered it. And I was like, I felt dirty. Like, you know, when you go and get oh pho God. and it's like you're sitting at the restaurant. It's like a nice experience. Yeah. And here I've got like glad wrap on top of the container. And I'm like, it's just not the same. Dude, Uber eats I feel like it. if you ever see me eating something as healthy as pho, I've been abducted. Send help. <laughs> SOS. Oh, you know, we did a podcast recently, Paige, and this is one of the reasons why, why I thought of you. Um, we did a podcast on at, like training for aesthetics versus training for strength. Mm. And, you know, I thought of you and how you sort of do both. And I know you blow yourself off um, by saying that, but you look after yourself physically, like you look after yourself with your training and then you also have body composition goals every now and then. So how do you manage, I guess, both of those goals and lifestyles? Well, yes and no. The only reason I'm ever lean is to make weight for my sport. So I've never just lost weight because I want to like have abs. Um, and look, in an off season, I might be like, oh, I'm going to add a couple of sets of hamstrings because I want to grow them. But generally, none of my training is based on my aesthetics. Um, I'm kind of doing bodybuilding at the moment because there's no comps coming up and why not. But generally speaking, um, yeah, none of my training is actually based on aesthetics. Uh, but I will say that um, when I was competing pretty seriously in the under 60 kilo weight class, Um, I was usually my true weight I guess on comp day was probably closer to 64 kilos and I was water cutting to get down and that's a little bit frowned upon in the sport and people were kind of like oh it might be time to go uh, like upper weight class like put on three or four kilos and like I would get so much stronger if I if I put on a bit of weight but from an aesthetic standpoint if so much of my living is the modeling aspect of what I do I just didn't think that the benefits of being better at my sport outweighed the benefits of looking better on my Instagram, which is my business. Um, so, yeah, I think I put my business before my athleticism, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. But I'm not a world-class elite athlete. Maybe if I was, that would be a priority. Mm. It's really interesting that you say that because, you know, I'm, I don't know how, like barely anything about powerlifting so much of the sport. So what got you into powerlifting? And can you tell us like a little bit about how the sport is run? Yeah, sure. So I got into it kind of by accident. Uh, it's a pretty common story I hear where people start going to the gym because they just want to look better. They just like want to get in shape, so to speak. Um, and then they get what I call accidentally strong where, you know, for a guy, it's always a 200 kilo deadlift. They pull 200 mm-hmm. kilos and they're like, man, I want to do this. I'm getting strong. And they start squatting and benching. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it was a squat. I just, I just didn't know what I was doing. So I was just doing so much squat volume. And then one day I just like randomly tested a 1RM without keeping a program or anything. And I squatted 100 kilos and uh, my friend, her partner, 
is a powerlifting coach and he told her, oh, tell Paige that if she pursued it, like that's really strong, she could do really well, whatever. I didn't think anything more of it. I didn't even really know what powerlifting was. And then one day um, when I was an exotic dancer, I did a function for these guys who were powerlifters and um, they told me about it. They said, you should do it, you should do it. And I was like, what is it? Tell me what it is. I thought it was Olympic weightlifting. I thought they were the same thing. And um, they told me about it. And I said, show me the girls, like just show me the Instagram of a girl who does it. And they showed me Becky Leach, who's a really good friend of mine um, now. And she was gorgeous and she was strong as fuck. And I was like, I want to train with this girl. I want to try it. So I literally just sent her a message and I was like, hey, you've never heard of me. I met some mutual friends. Um, can I come and train with you? And she trains at PCC headquarters out in um, Parham Downs. And so I just went as a stranger, I drove two and a half hours to go and train with this girl. Um, and I think it was like eight months later, I was at nationals. Like after wow. just hearing, it happened so quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just fell in love with it. And it was all I cared about. I just made my life full-time athlete. And I just, I was lucky that dancing was really good money and it was only the weekend. So I would work Friday, Saturday night really hard. And then I wouldn't work Monday to Friday. And I just concentrate on like, I lost like six or seven kilos to qualify in the lower weight class mm. for nationals. Um, yeah. Never successfully lost weight in my life. Um, I'd like tried and tried, never lost a kilo. And as soon as I was like, oh my God, I could be at nationals. It just, the weight just fell off me. <laughs> Isn't wow. it funny yeah. how you've got a goal, you get a goal and you're like, okay, well, it's go time. That's it. Yes. Yes. But I think too, and I think you girls will agree with this, that the challenge, any, anyone can starve themselves to lose weight. The challenge is to lose weight in a sustainable way. And that wasn't what I was trying to do. I was trying to lose weight for one day to step on the scale. And then I didn't care if I blew out. Mm. So I think it's mm. easier to, to die at knowing that it's just for a date and then you can do whatever you want than just to be like, yeah. this is my whole life now. I'm just a healthy person now. Mm. See, that's 100%. the big difference between bodybuilding and powerlifting. Like bodybuilders don't have weigh-ins. I remember down at Pro Raw, one day there were a whole bunch of people spitting in cups. Like Dude. on weigh-in, I'm like, what's going on? Because it was mm. weigh-in day. And then, yeah, Sherelle, like trying to lose water and just spitting, spitting before they jump on the scales just um, yeah. to make that number. Obviously, a lot more goes into it than just that. But that mm. stuck out. I'm like, wow. Okay, yeah. this is so different. Um, I had to do that for nationals. I cut, yeah. I think it was like 4.2 kilos or something I cut of water. And I actually felt pretty good considering, but I remember driving the two hours to weigh in and looking down and I could see my heart beating on my chest and I was like blue under my eyes. And I went and I thought, I'll just pee one more time before I get on the scales. And I went and it was like a drop of maple syrup going into yeah. And then I got on the scales and I was like 200 grams over, butt naked. No. And I was like, no. So I went, my pa- I went, I had my partner at the time's car. I just written mine off. And I went and sat in his car with the heater on, everything, like the jumpers on, trying to sweat it out. And I wanted to spit, like I brought gum in case this happened, so that, because gum helps you produce more saliva. Yeah. And I wanted to spit in a cup, but I didn't have a cup. So I didn't tell him this till a couple of years later, but I just ended up spitting into his center console. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. First date, right? On your car. <laughs> How is that? And then did you end up losing that extra 200 grams? Yeah, I did. Wow. Yeah. And I felt the next day on comp day, I felt a million bucks. I felt amazing. So, wow. and I performed really well. Like hit a bunch of PRs. It was awesome. It was what really numbers did you pull on uh, at nationals? Um, I, this was two years ago. I squatted 155 kilos. I benched oh, somewhere between 82 and 87 kilos, maybe closer to 82. I don't remember. Um, and then I deadlifted 150 kilos, which at the time, was a huge PR. My deadlift was like, I was really struggling with it. So I pulled it and then I burst into tears. I'm embarrassing. Oh. No, I reckon I saw that video. Did you post that video? Oh, of course. Of course you did, mate. It didn't count. Likes that'll get. But I love watching that sort of stuff because you can actually just generally see the emotion in your face. Like as soon as someone knows, they get those green lights and they know, and like they just cry because it's the same sort of thing, you know. I guess Danny and I we prep for competitions. You know, it's a long process, and you guys go through the exact same thing for preparing for this one day. Um, Just. I guess jumping back, just for people that don't know, like what goes into like a powerlifting prep? Um, so generally, let's say a competition's in, I don't know, 15 weeks. Um, you sort of start with volume. It looks a little bit more like a bodybuilding program. You might be giving sets of like eight or 10 to your squat bench and deadlift. And then generally, it, we call it peaking. It peaks. So it goes, it's like a pyramid that so starts with a whole lot of volume. And then it goes to like the top of the pyramid is like sets of one rep. Um, mm-hmm. And so at the start, you're sort of building muscle, 
putting in the groundwork. And then at the top of the pyramid, you're kind of um, nailing the skill of lifting heavy numbers rather than really building the strength of lifting heavy numbers, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but the problem for me is because I'm a bit of a cowboy with the weight classes that I've never pulled, like I've never lifted more than like 85% of my max on more than like 1300 calories a day. So mm. like peaking for me and cut, like the cutting is the hard part for me. Mm. And I think that's why I like it because if there was no comps and no social media and no one ever, I could never tell anyone about my lift, I would still train every day. I would still go to the gym every single day. Um, but if there was no comps, I wouldn't diet. It's not something I enjoy. It's not something I yeah. want to do. It's something I always struggled with. So to me, making weight is just the best feeling in the world. Like, mm. it's better than the PRs. I'm, like, on cloud nine the night before a comp because I've made weight. Mm. Yeah. Tell us about the, um, I guess, the dieting process. Like, how far out do you have to start, I guess, making weight from or dieting, I guess, down for? Well, I'm a procrastinator. So <laughs> I come in with really good intentions. Like, cool, if I start dieting now, I only have to lose 200 grams a week. And yeah. then usually it comes to the point where I'm like, shit, I'm four weeks out and I'm five kilos above my weight class. Yeah, because I keep going like, oh, I'll start, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow, I'll start next week, I'll start next week, and it's not until I have the pressure of like, shit, I'm not going to make way that I start mm-hmm. panicking, and that's when I start. Because that would good. I don't advocate for this. That would yeah. be, give me so much anxiety, right? Like with us, we don't have to make a weight. So, you know, it's really just based off how you look. But imagine, I guess, being told like you actually don't qualify for this class. And then obviously yeah. that changes the whole dynamic oh, of the yeah. sport. I would, that would stress me the hell out. Yeah, it's bad. And also, like, if you're just doing a general competition and you don't make weight, you can just compete in the weight class up. But if you've qualified mm. for a competition, like for nationals, in a weight class, you're only allowed to compete in that weight class. So if you don't make weight for nationals, you can't com- – well, they, they let you lift, but your lifts don't count. They're not printed anywhere. Um, you can have the option to just jump in for fun, um, mm. but your numbers don't mean anything. Mm. And what sort of weight loss would you experience in, say, like the month leading up? Like, I guess, has it allowed you to sort of really detach yourself from the scales in terms of like self-worth and everything? Because that is something we see so much is like, you know, even myself, I might have clients that put on half a kilo or a kilo in a week. And, you know, you try to reassure them that it is so much fluid and it's not a determinant of how you actually look. So can you talk to us a bit about how or what the scales actually mean to you now? Yeah, yeah. So I'm super objective about my weight. Um, when I have abs, I love it. I can't stop flexing in the mirror. Like, but when I don't have abs, I don't think like, oh my God, I look like shit. I hate the way that I look like at all. I'm just like, cool, I'm heavy now because it's my job to put on a little bit of weight and get strong. Um, and also I don't like, I, I actually feel quite good at a really low body weight because I usually have to eat healthier to maintain the deficit anyway. Mm. Um, so I sort of accidentally eat healthy. Um, but yeah, I think um, I th- that number on the scale to me, it, it, I don't have any emotional attachment to it at all, really. Mm. Like I have a little bit, like sometimes I look in the mirror and I think like, oh, I wish that didn't look like that. But it's like a momentary thought. It's not a big deal. Um, but it's interesting because I sort of contradict what I teach to my clients. Like they're constantly stressing about their weight. And I'm like, you're trying to lose weight because you want to look better. How about we focus on how you look instead of focusing on what the scales say. But in my case, all that matters is what the scales say. Mm. So I should absolutely be weighing myself every day and I should absolutely be changing what I eat based on what that number says. It is a bit like that being like, oh, you know, you can sit there on coaching calls and talk to your clients. And sometimes you're like, God, I need to take my own advice. (laughs) Yeah, right. But it's a different goal though. Like if someone's trying to make weight for a competition and they're dieting, then yeah, I think they should be weighing themselves like almost every day. Mm. Yeah. For you, what came first? Like your Instagram business and the modeling and all of that and, and then the comp or was it sort of your competing and then you grew a social media presence from that? Definitely modeling first. Yeah. Okay. I think like before I started posting, I was posting gym selfies every now and then like gradually. But I think before I started actually posting my list and my training, I think I already had like maybe 80 or 90,000 followers. I think that's a guess. Mm. Um, so that helps, but you would, you would be so surprised how many people sign up for online coaching who were like, Hey, I followed you before you even went to the gym. Wow. Like so many of them and people come for PT and they'll be like, yeah, I started following you when you had 10,000 followers and now I've decided I want to try powerlifting. 
Like it's crazy. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. People come along the ride with you as you change, you know, they, they yeah. invest a lot and your social media or you crack me up. Like you are awesome. It's so like, you're oh, just real. You. You're just so real. And it's really cool. Like, yeah. Thanks. And funny. <laughs> You do remain so raw on social media. So like, mm. have you always been like that? So open and, you know, do you ever post some things and think, oh, should I say that? But you do it anyways? Not really. I don't post, when I, if ever I had doubt about what I'm posting, it's never, I don't, I don't think that I post things that would offend people. So mm. I don't think I really have any political opinions that would offend anyone, to be honest. But um, I never post something and I'm like, oh, that's going to upset people. Oh, I should just calm down a bit. I think... The things that I post where I'm like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't post that. It's just me when I look like shit. <laughs> or like, <laughs> if I'm like super drunk, I just have, I have not much of a filter in terms of what I post. If I would post it to my friends, then why not put it out there for the whole world? Um, but it hasn't always been in that way in that when I first started um, like modeling and I was dancing, I was, uh, my body composition wasn't as good as it is now. And so I was a little bit less muscular and I was about the same weight. So I was just, I was just like chunky. You know, I wasn't fat, fat, but I was chunky. And I used to edit the shit out of my photos. Really? Like, I don't even want to see those deleted photos ever again. Like, I used to edit mm. them so much. And I remember one time um, I hung out with this guy um, as a friend and I made it clear that it was just, like, lunch as friends, whatever. And then I think he was upset that it wasn't a date. And he started speaking poorly of me. And he, whenever I came up in conversation, which belongs a small place, so I think I come up a fair bit because I keep mm. hearing about it, but mm. I came up in conversation and he said, oh, yeah, she looks hot on her Instagram, but she's not as hot in real life. Like, she's a lot fatter in real life. Wow. Oh, and at the time, my first reaction was, well, I freaking hope so because it's my job to look good on Instagram. So I'm doing something well. wrong if I look better in real life. Like, I'm obviously choosing the wrong photos. Um, but I will admit, <laughs> I will admit that a part of me felt like if I was in a supermarket and someone was staring at me, I would kind of be like, oh, fuck, I've got no makeup on. What if this person knows me from Instagram? That's why they're staring and they're thinking, what the heck? She looks nothing like she did on her Instagram. Mm. But I probably felt that way like three or four times in my entire life. Um, and it's hard to know if there's been self, uh, self-growth and that's why I don't feel that way anymore or if I'm just objectively more attractive than I was back then a Victoria's Secret model talking about body positivity and stuff and I'm like of course you're body positive you're yeah. 10 yeah you're <laughs> bloody hot exactly. yeah, yeah exactly right I think it is a bit of um like I feel like you do grow out of it a little bit. You know, in school, mm. you sort of always got those insecurities and, you know, girls can be bitches. So anything you take, you take to heart. Um, so mm. I think everyone went on that. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone used to like edit their photos. Mm. It was like a normal mm. thing to do. And then, like you said, once you start really do putting yourself out there and who you are and being okay with posting, you know, yourself on your story with no filter and all this sort of shit and being like, oh, people actually no one gives a shit. And I think that's important. No. It's like, you're actually not that important. Like people don't care if they see your, your pimples and like people don't care if you mm. just put yourself out there and say shit on, on social media and almost like offend yourself. I think it's good for you. Yeah, I think so too. And I think too, like it is a self-confidence thing in that like I'm so confident in who I am as a person that mm. if I have pimples, which I've terrible acne, if I have pimples or if I have cellulite or something, I'm so confident in all the other things about me that I'm like, I can live with people seeing that and thinking that's not great. I think I have enough yeah. other things going for me um, to be proud of that. Like I can take a few hits like acne and cellulite. Yeah. And like Absolutely. you said, you know, body positivity and just self-awareness and it's becoming mainstream and normal because everyone has those sorts of things. So I think it's cool when you do put that sort of stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, everyone can appreciate a beautiful picture, but then like you post a lot of videos of like some of your TikToks or you just like mucking around and stuff. And that gives a lot of value to people too, showing that you're just a real person. Um, yeah. One of the days of just wanting to scroll, looking at all plastic people all day, every day, <laughs> like it gets yeah. boring. Where's the personality? Where's the humor? Yeah. And people I actually around your humor. So it's working. I have a theory about that. Um, that is a self-developed theory. I don't know if there's anything to it, but I think that if you're an absolute 10 and you're amazing and you're perfect and you look incredible and you only post perfect content of yourself and you don't really put your personality out there, like it's just all modeling photos and whatever, I think you will get a bigger following. I think that like looks mm. are always going to like trump 
everything else just the way it is. I don't like it. You guys don't like it. I think it's just the way it is. You know, there's mm-hmm. like a perfect, if you could grasp my body fat percentage and my follower count, it's like a perfect linear correlation. As soon yeah. as I get leaner, my follower count just flies up, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that girl with the perfect Instagram, she attracts more followers, but you're less inclined to give her your credit card details. Yep. I think that if you're selling a product, especially a product like uh, mine or ours, where it's like personal one-on-one where you're actually communicating with me, I think that if you have seen my mum on my Instagram and you've seen my pets and you've seen me in <laughs> yeah. bed with no makeup talking shit to the camera, like I think there's an element of trust that comes with that and people are more likely to subscribe to your services. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And a lot of the followers, people with massive followers, are they really your client or are they just people overseas who want to perv on your photos? You know? Yeah. Like yeah. that's why companies obviously look at engagement now rather than just followers. Like who's actually yeah. looking at your profile? Is it within that niche or not? So yeah, it's yeah. really important. Mm. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like a service business, like, you know, you're getting a service off a person. They want to work with that person. You know, there's, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, anyone can teach someone how to squat, but that's not why they come to you. They come to you because of you. And that's always important to consider. Um, Something else that's really interesting with you, Paige, is like obviously you work as an emergency nurse um, and you juggle all these hats and you wear all these different hats. So how do you, I guess, you know, I understand what shift work's like. How do you balance, I guess, your health and fitness or your training, I guess, with shift work, especially as an emergency nurse? Mm -hmm. I think... My opinion on how shift work affects your nutrition and how it affects your training are completely different for me. I think that, yes, we can't argue with the science that like you're like uh, working night shifts just F with your appetite and it's harder to stick to your macros. But most of the questions I get about shift work and fitness are how do you like find the motivation to go to the gym or how do you make time to go to the gym when you work shift work? And that I don't get. Like whether you work... 40 hours a week of night or 40 hours a week of days, you've got the same spare time. You might have to like mentally work harder to get to the gym because you're more tired or whatever, but that's a motivation issue. It's not a time issue. It's not, that's not night shift's fault really. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's really any excuse. And I know it, it sounds bad because I, at the moment I'm nursing like four days a week, but uh, prior to coronavirus, I was only really nursing two days a week and the rest of my business. Um, and so you might say like, oh, well, you don't work full time. What do you know? In my grad years, I was um, 30, what's point eight, like 32 or 36 hours a week. Four shifts a week. <laughs> yeah, Whatever four shifts a week. Work. Four, eight and a half hour shifts a week. Um, and then I was dancing two 12-hour night shifts a week. So every single wow. week I was doing Friday and Saturday night shift for anywhere between 10 and 14 hours. Um, and then I was doing days throughout the week. So I was switching from night shift to day shift twice a week. And mm. I still went to the gym five days a week. And it was terrible. My recovery was terrible. Mm. And like, I was just had doms all the time. And, mm. you know, I, my weight wasn't really under control, but I was making huge gains in that time. So I just don't think if I can work 65, 70 hours a week and make it work, then I think other people, you know, like if you're a full-time nurse and you're on nights, I don't think there's really an excuse to not be hitting the gym. Yeah. No, yeah, I can perform me as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Like it does come down to your priorities. And even like, you know, with some of my clients that struggle with shift work or night duty, I'm like, get out of bed that hour earlier. Go to the gym that hour earlier. You can do it. You just got to set the alarm. And I think a lot of people, like you said, tiptoe around that and being like, no, 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 you still got control over all these things. So don't blame shift work. Don't blame it. Just, you've just got to put other considerations in and be more disciplined. Yeah, I agree it's a bit harder than the average person. But like you said, you just got to set an alarm an hour earlier or or have the willpower to get up when the alarm goes off. Yeah, Mm. that's it. It's the million-dollar question, how to get more motivated. Yeah, Were you um, doing your competitions during those hours or you were just training? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was before. It was was pretty much when I first started at the gym, really, because I've only been going to the gym for like, four or five years or something really I haven't been going to the gym for very long really yeah there you go and with your background in dancing have you ever considered getting on stage because I mean a lot of the best performers uh for example in the WBFF and stuff have all had a background in some sort of dancing has that ever Mm. crossed your mind or is it a bit taboo to jump from one to the other 
It's crossed my mind, but I don't think I have an aesthetic physique. Like I don't, I'm not, uh, my chest is super developed. So I've got a strong bench press. Um, mm. And like my back is really developed from deadlifting. Um, but like my, I've got no glutes, hamstrings, calves. Like my whole post chain is just like non-existent. Um, They're the so hardest part. Do, yeah, right. Mm. I would have to do so much work. Um, and if I'm honest, I don't, I don't think I have the discipline to do the dieting part like or I would feel like shit if I did it because I wouldn't eat well mm-hmm. like when I'm losing weight I'm still eating fast food once a day like and I just wouldn't feel very good I don't think if I if I did a bodybuilding show where I was still eating shit mm-hmm. and that's fine and Cheryl and I always speak before like not everyone has to do a certain goal it's about finding what you genuinely enjoy that won't compromise too many other elements of your life. So yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. And I think like competing is no, Oh, okay. We'll we'll remember (laughs) that one. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, like competing isn't for like 99% of the population yet. Like everyone's like, Oh, I'm just going to, just going to try it. Just tick it off my bucket list. It's like, no, no, no. It's it's not like a bucket list thing that you just tick off. Drives me crazy. Because it's the same as powerlifting. Do you get that? People being like, I'm going to do a powerlifting comp. And then you're like, oh my God, there's so much that needs to go into it. You don't just decide that you're going to do one. Yes and no. Because I think um, if you want to get on stage, I think you sort of have to be a a certain body fat percentage. I say that very generally, but I just mean like, you know, a little bit silly maybe if you get up there and you're like 20% body fat, right? Mm. Um, But if you work full time and you have two kids and you've been training at home and you want to just jump in on a powerlifting meet in 20 weeks time, just to give you training a bit of purpose, I think that's okay. If you only train three Mm. days a week, one of my best clients, one of my strongest clients, only trains three days a week. She works shift shift work, she's a prison guard. Um, She doesn't worry about her weight or weight classes. She just jumps in on comps because she loves it and it makes training more interesting for her. So I I do hear a lot of like um, bodybuilding coaches saying like, it's not, you know, you can't just jump in. It's like you have to earn your stripes. And in powerlifting, I don't think that's the case. Like I, I, I think that in bodybuilding, people are trying to close off the sport. Like, oh, it's just for us bodybuilders not for mm. anyone else. And I think powerlifting is a bit more inclusive. Mm. Like people who pull out of competitions because they're not going to hit PRs. I'm like, why? Just go and have fun. Like it's a fun day. Don't worry about your weight class. Just go and squat bench and deadlift and, you know, and if you do shit, it just means you're going to hit a bigger PR the next time you do a competition. Mm. Yeah, That's an interesting policy. way of looking at it. I suppose us, Shirelle, in our little bodybuilding bubble. Yeah, very kind of cool to hear it from the other, the other side. Um, yeah. Do yeah, you- but I hear it. I've been hearing it lately with the documentaries on strongman. People kind of being like, oh, you know, all this attention being brought to strongman. Like now everyone's jumping on board. I'm like, you should want that. Like if you work in the industry, this is going to be beneficial to you. If you yeah. think, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather be the strongest out of 500,000 people than be the strongest out of 10? Mm. That's good. That's Very so true. If you're afraid of competition, I think there's something wrong with what you're doing. 100%. Boom, mic drop. That Boom. Was, yeah. when you, before you got into powerlifting, was there any sort of fitness trends or training styles that you went down? Like, did you ever do CrossFit or, you know, gym classes or anything like that before you went into pure powerlifting? Uh, I very briefly did CrossFit, like, sort of years before I described myself as having started at the gym. Like, um, I did it for a little while. I really liked it. Um, and then I got sick and sort of had to stop all exercise. But um, I realized that I really liked it when we were lifting weights and when we were squatting and whatever. And I hated it when we were running or even just doing high intensity stuff and really high reps. And I was like, oh, I wish that it was just the weightlifting part. And then it was years later that I was telling that to someone and he was uh, uh, like an amateur bodybuilder. And he was like, well, that's what bodybuilding is just lifting weights why don't you just go to the gym and just lift weights I was like do people do that I thought to be like a fit person I thought I had to like run to be a fit person yeah. and like I thought I had to move um and I just like fell in love like the first time I went to the gym uh when I just wanted to like get in better shape and stuff I left the gym being like I want to be huge like I want to be jacked I want to be unattractively big I want people to look at me and go oh it's a bit much yeah okay <laughs> straight away straight away yeah. I loved it my favorite exercises were like cable flies and like all these like and I didn't know that that was a really masculine way to train mm. I had no idea I didn't I didn't take notice of anyone else at the gym and now I go to the gym and I'm like no all these girls are doing like Smith machine kickbacks and like kickback everything and I didn't realize that the way I was training was so masculine yeah mm. 
I used to definitely train like you. I even before my implants used to have the full striations on my chest. Oh, really? Every day was chest flies, like bench press, all of that. So, yeah, I, I don't think I relate. knew what. I don't think I knew what muscles I was working when I was doing the chest flies. It no. was just on the program that I got from bodybuilding.com and it was hard. So I was building muscle, you know, I was pushing yeah. myself. So, yeah. 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 I was the same. I think I used to, I used to follow like the five day split, you know, where you do like oh, yeah. legs yeah. once a day, you do arms and you look, you, you just go in, you just do the program, just do the things, you do the exercises, do the sets yeah. and the reps and nothing else really matters. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember that like, it was like one muscle group at a time. I could actually feel that I was recruiting those muscles. So one day I'd be on the lat pull down and I'd be like, I might just Google what muscle this is using. <laughs> like this is like 12 yeah. months into doing it. How ridiculous. And um, once I saw like on, on a diagram what the lats were and that it was working it, I was like, oh, now that I'm thinking about that, I can feel them more. Like now I can feel my lats mm. working. And mm. then I started looking up all the exercises. And um, yeah, I remember being like, oh yeah, triceps and biceps are really hard to feel, uh, really easy to feel. And then the last one to like feel was the hamstrings. And I'd be doing hamstring yeah. curls on a machine. And I'm like, I just can't feel my hamstring at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I remember the progression of slowly actually identifying what I'm training mm-hmm. and being able to train it with intent. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so important. And still a lot of people would not even be able to notice that because <laughs> not only are people unaware, but most people are in a rush. They quickly come in for their workout, smash through it. They're on their phone half the time. They're not actually present in the workout. Like it yeah. does take concentration to be able to identify which muscle. But um, once and, you sort um, of have that realization, it's really powerful. Hey. Absolutely. And I know this is kind of a bit of a plug, but like if I had hired a coach a year before this happened, like imagine the gains I would have made if I was actually training properly in all that time. I didn't hurt myself in that time. And like, I saw, I saw some progress that I was working so hard, mm-hmm. but like, imagine how much more efficiently I could have reached my goals if I had someone telling me what the F I was doing. Oh yeah. yeah. God, if that's yeah. a plug, we plug on the weekly. We always say like, you know how <laughs> every day's a plug. Every day's a plug. <laughs> the amount of like time you just spend spinning your own wheels. And, that's you know, the thing. A coach saves so much time, stress and effort, like just in mm-hmm. any element of life, whether it's business, whether it's training, like we always recommend getting mentors and coaches because it just saves so much guesswork. Yeah. I yeah. still remember with bodybuilding.com, you know how it would have yeah. like the drop down section, it would have the workouts. I used oh, to get yeah. like pen and paper and like write down the workout and then go to the gym and I'd have like my pen in my hair and I'd like cross it off. Oh, I have no idea serious what business. A serious business, right? I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what I was training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she wears like fake glasses. She doesn't even own glasses. She just puts them on. <laughs> got a blazer on. iPod <laughs> Nano just attached to me gym shirt you know (laughs) business um but then you think you're like god imagine if i had something someone actually showing me what to do back then like how much time you could save um i think i think with nutrition that's even more true like how many times did you guys fail at a diet before you learned what the f you were doing like Mm -hmm. i don't care who you are every single human has failed a half a dozen diets whether it's a day-long diet or a week-long diet everyone has i don't care if you're a guy or a girl i don't care how old you are yeah and it's the best way to learn, like, what you will never do again, ever, ever, ever. Yeah. yeah. I cringe at all the stuff that I used to do. I cringe. But oh, it makes okay. fantastic stories and, and good content. Doesn't it? <laughs> in saying that, what, um, you know, I had a question here. Like, what was the one thing that you wish you learned early in your fitness or training career? Mm, I just wish I'd spent more time. I wish I'd done it earlier, but I wish I'd found it earlier but I, I wish I just spent more time trying to figure out what's out there because mm. like I said, I tried CrossFit and I was like, well, this is what fit people do. They get their heart rate up and I don't enjoy doing that. So I just can't be a fit person. I'll just never be a fit person. And I went through mm. phases where I was trying to force myself to run and I just hated running. It just wasn't for me. Mm. And so I just never thought I would be a person who goes on a holiday and goes to the gym. Like to me, I, I thought that person was a bit of an idiot, to be honest. I'm like, you're on holiday, calm down. And um, now I couldn't go on a holiday and not, unless it was like a hiking holiday where I'm like walking Mm. every day I could not go to Bali and sit by a pool every day and not go to the gym at least every second day yeah Um, so yeah I just wish I had taken it upon myself to google types of training Mm. types of fitness types Mm. of whatever Mm. um and found it a bit sooner really 
Yeah, that's a really good one. I think that goes to everything, like whether it's dieting or nutrition or training, like there's always, you know, as I always say, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I think we always try like something different. And at one stage I loved running, but then I got over it. So I tried something else and then I got over that and I tried something else. And we always talk about fitness just being like this continuum. It's not like this one thing that you have to do. There's so many different styles and ways of training and there's no right or wrong. Yeah, and I so I've recently taken up running, which is wild because I'd forced myself Ooh. to do it. I'd used it in in a distorted path. I'd used it as like almost a punishment. Like mm. I'd run, pass out, get up, and keep running. Um, and I've wow. always hated it, and and now I enjoy it. And that's crazy to me. But I'm also really at peace with if in two weeks' time I go, I don't want to do this anymore. I haven't like failed from a motivation perspective I've just changed my preference mm, and yeah. I think in the past I've been like oh my god I tried CrossFit and I couldn't stick that out I tried running and I couldn't stick that out I tried cutting out carbs and I couldn't stick that out and mm. I just saw all these as failures but it's not it's just trial and error to find what you like mm. So good. And that's such an important message because I think particularly us high achievers, we're all so hard on ourselves, and, and there is that mentality of, well, I started it, I have to finish it or do it to the best uh, ability. But no, actually, it's all just trial and error until you find something that you enjoy. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Mm. I think that's important as well, like with isolation, like being like, okay, well, what are the things that I enjoy about the training that I normally do? You know, is it staying disciplined? Is it feeling productive? Is it all these things? And how can I do those into other areas? Like maybe I don't have access to the same amount of load or weight that I did in the gym. So how can I make do with what I've got? And like what you said, like exploring different things like running and your cardiovascular fitness. Um, How has isolation affected your training? Um, it's affected my training and my clients' training in very similar ways, I've noticed. Um, mm-hmm. Almost all of my clients are doing some sort of circuit or hit or CrossFit mostly, and they've been totally anti that. And, you know, they've always made jokes about CrossFit, but I think if all you've got is two dumbbells and a kettlebell, I think you get very bored very quickly of doing mm-hmm. the same, like, 10 exercises, which are probably effective, but it's just boring. But I think that if you do like a different finisher every day or a different circuit, it's a little bit more stimulating and adds a bit of skill to it as well. Mm, um, yep. But for me, I'm kind of doing bodybuilding stuff because I'm right now I'm just riddled with injuries. Like I had to, I've had to replace my shoelaces for elastics. I can't even do up my shoelaces right now. So what's happened? Um, I just got sciatica. So I started doing a bodybuilding program. The irony is that I started doing a bodybuilding program. <laughs> to give my back a rest from powerlifting so I wasn't loading it. And after my first leg day, I don't know what exercise it was, but I just like had sciatica for the first time in my life and just could not walk. Um, so now I'm just doing what I can, which is more or less no squatting, um, just a heap of RDLs and a heap of like leg stuff in general, so many lunges yeah. and stuff. Um, so I'm kind of doing bodybuilding right now just because just enjoying the pump really and like working on aesthetics because there's nothing else to work on without any pump going yeah um, but yeah I'm just running so much I'm running like I can run 12k's I see wow. on your story I saw on your story that's I was good like, as all right what's happened mm. <laughs> oh. that's really um, good. and I, I feel like I could do it forever and there are weeks where I procrastinate and I don't get all my uh like resistance training in but I always get all my runs in Mm. Like I'm prioritizing it. It's like easier for me to stick to the running than it is training. It's mm. crazy. I oh, think it's good. important as well to like sub out different things so that when you go back to it, you know, when everything goes back to normal, cause it will, you know, that powerlifting and that style of training will be there. And even myself, like I've got a spin bike and I've been doing spin classes every couple of days and you wouldn't, mm. you know, a few months ago, you'd never caught me dead doing a spin class, but yeah. I'm, yeah. Enjoying it. I'm enjoying sweating. I'm enjoying like feeling different, feeling those endorphins because training is just therapy at the moment. That's the thing because we have copped it. We've had like the longest lockdown in all of Australia. And at the start, when we made our episode, we're like, you know, stick to this, stick to that, do this. (laughs) Now it's just like, try not to spend the whole day crying in bed. Like just (laughs) do what you're going to. Exactly. I literally, I tried an F45 class with my housemate. As you said with the spin bike, I would not be caught dead doing it, but I did it. Because it made me happy at the time I had a laugh. And that's a problem in this time because it's it's yeah yeah I think for the whole year you know like people like us we're so pedantic about our training we take it seriously right like we we take all the objective data sets reps loads weights and then now it's like well 
now we don't have like optimal circumstances, right? So you just got to learn to have fun with it and not take it so yeah. seriously. Yeah. One set of lunges, one set of online shopping. Absolutely. Now, when I buy something online now, I have to go through my emails first and see if I've already bought it and it's on its way. That, I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's how bad it is. How good is that? What have you been buying a lot of? Oh my God. Um, mo- mostly clothes, which is weird. I've yeah. never been into like clothes or fashion or whatever. Lots of house stuff. Spending so much time in my house, I realise I hate all the furniture in this house. That's like I cannot thing. stand it. You see it all day, um, you're like, that needs to go. That needs to go. <laughs> that rug needs to go. Right. Um, a little bit of gym equipment. I just bought like a deadlift bar and a, bar and a power bar and everything from Goliath Barbell. Nice. They're, they're pink. Can no way. That's amazing. epic. Um, so yeah, what else have I been spending? Oh, I bought a new car. <laughs> I love how you just forgot that one. Oh yeah, and I bought yeah. a new car. Why not? Wear all the cl- buy all the clothes in the the car because we can't go anywhere or wear them, but we still want them. So they're there for when ISO's done. Oh, when ISO's done. What are you yeah. looking forward to after ISO? What are you looking forward to being able to do? Um, travel. I feel like yeah. I have nothing tying me down. My entire income is online. Um, look, um, I was supposed to open a cosmetic injectables clinic about a month or two ago. Really? And then seven days out from the commencement of the commercial lease, the landlord decided that it was too high risk and they backed out on me. So that was like devastating oh, because man. I'd set up all, all my fitness business so that could be like on the side to a full time, like starting a company like that with so, like it was so many employees, it was like a two story building um, and starting a company like that would be so time consuming that I was like, okay, let's streamline all the online coaching stuff, streamline the nutrition, yeah. have it all set up and now it's not happening. So now I've got all the time in the world. So I'm just kind of nursing out of, well, like, I'm not really boredom, but I'm nursing now to keep up social interactions and to keep myself busy really um so yeah there's a lot of business stuff that i'm looking forward to um but to be honest i'm really looking forward to nightclubs opening which is wild because i like i feel like from 18 to 25 or 24 i worked in clubs every friday and saturday night it was my entire income and it was a lot of money to miss out on if you took a night off Mm -hmm. so i just never went out i never wanted to i hated people and now i just feel like i'm 18 again and now I just want to go out every weekend. Isn't it interesting? I've definitely, I've spoken to Sherelle about that. I'm like, I just want to dance, get on the dance floor and like do all the things that I would always say no to doing for the past 10 years and literally just relive being 18 again. Yeah. One of the last. Play done. We are doing it. One of the someone was telling me that um in Queensland, like because the nightclubs and everything are open, but they're not allowed to dance. You're, you're <laughs> kidding. So dead because they're still like trying to practice. And I was like, fuck that. Imagine sitting there. What do you do? Just yeah, not you'd have to talk to men. Yeah. Oh, you'd have to talk to them? Terrific. <laughs> it would be the worst when you're out and then you, you see the people who aren't dancing. It's like, why are you here? But then you'd be forced to be. Imagine a whole room full of that. That would be, be awkward. Be awkward. Yeah. Awkward. And it's a lot less awkward to dance away from someone that you don't want anything to do with <laughs> than it is to just walk away from them. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Oh, God. You'd end up drinking so much more, wouldn't you? Like, oh, you yeah. can't dance. You just got to drink. Um, <laughs> amazing. So, you, you told us um, then about, you know, your cosmetic nursing direction, but what else is um, in the future for you? Where are you going next with everything? Oh, that's a secret. But oh, no, I'm kind of, I'm working, um, I'm working towards an e-commerce business that's uh, geared towards healthcare workers. So oh. I'm just trying to like do what I still can, given that like healthcare workers are still in work and, you know, they have higher needs than ever. And that like, obviously it's a good time to do e-commerce when any face-to-face business is a no-go right now. So Absolutely. that's what I'm working on, but I mean, it's subject to change, but I've just been trying to adapt. Like I was manufacturing gym equipment um, at the start of lockdown when all the gyms closed because there was an absolute worldwide shortage, as I'm sure you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was having like squat stands and benches and stuff made up, which was wild because like they announced the gym lockdown on like a, I think it was like a Sunday night or a Saturday night. And then they were like, yeah, from Monday, they're all shut. It was like yeah. so last minute. And yeah. um, and so that happened on like the weekend. And then like three days later, I was working in a workshop with this guy that I'd never met and I was making the bench pads 
for the benches and painting everything while he was welding them all together. Really? And, um, that was like my full-time job for a few weeks just working in this warehouse. That's cool. That was crazy. Yeah. It was fun. It was good fun. Definitely. Days. Well, That's we amazing. need more of that for sure. Mm. Isolation definitely, um, I'm sure it's put you in many situations that you didn't think you would be in as for everyone, you know, yeah. but everything does happen for a reason. It always pushes you in the right direction. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think it sped everything up that we'd been procrastinating on. I know a lot of us wanted to really build an online presence and platform, but then you get stuck in the day-to-day grind, like with clients and patients and distractions. But now like that's all there is to do really just work on that stuff. I mean, yeah. So yeah. a lot of the principles that have been put in place will stay there. Mm. I find it hard to come up with content now though, because like, uh, my training isn't heavy, so, like, no one cares about my sets of 15 deadlifts, you know. Um, so, like, posting my lifts isn't very exciting. Um, and also just being alone in my gym, there's no one to, like, film for me or take photos mm. for me or anything. So, um, yeah, I, do, I find it really hard to find content. But I've also just been doing, like, less fitness-based content and people have been eating it up. So maybe it's not a bad thing. I think yeah. it shows that you're human, you know, it shows that you're human when you jump on your stories and you do little TikToks and whatever. Again, it, it allows um, people to really get to know who you are and your personality. I yeah. had a cheeky stalk just before of your page and I was just no, I was fine. at your content. <laughs> there are many of them, but I love the one uh, where you were uh, impersonating people who have proposed to you in the DMs and like you laid on your car and then it was like exactly uh. Does that happen a lot? Do you get a lot of like crazy messages and stuff? It's interesting because people ask me that all the time and I've always said like, no, not really, not as much as you think, not as much as you think. And then someone that I know really well asked me recently and I was like, no, 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 no. And then after it was at the forefront of my mind, I realised that I was going through my DMs. Yes, they're all <laughs> weird. They're all fucking weird. I'm desensitised to them and I don't even notice anymore. You're yeah. like, what, 10 a day is, is not normal? <laughs> 10 a <laughs> day is not normal? Oh, um, but a, a really good thing that I did is I have story replies off. So having story replies off cuts down my DMs by like 85%. Because okay. it's so easy for someone to reply, haha, or an emoji or whatever. But now oh. to message you, they have to actually hit send message on my Instagram page or send me my own story. They do a lot of that. Mm. Um, so that does that get rid of like the love heart eyes or the love heart reaction notification? So they can't react or type. You know how you can type at the Game bottom of the story normally? Changer. Yeah. Oh. No offense to everyone who sent love heart eyes and all of that, but yeah, okay. Well, at least you know why. <laughs> at least you know why. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So with having an online um, Instagram business, how does that actually work? Because, I mean, we have a lot of young women come to us saying, I want to make money on Instagram and I want to be a model and this and that, but not many people actually do it. So what does that look like for you? Um, in terms of what advice would I give to someone who wants to build a presence? Yeah, like, is that what what you're does saying? it actually take? Because someone can spend hours every day posting photos, but then not get any income from it. What's the difference between actually making money from it versus just posting photos and not getting any return? Mm-hmm. I think that um, your audience size is kind of everything. Like, not everything, sorry. You can be an amazing coach if you've got, like, 5,000 followers. You can, I'm sure you can make a good living. But um, in terms of – but then you're kind of making money because you're a coach. You're not really making money because of Instagram. Yeah. But in terms of making money from your Instagram – Yes, the relevance of your followers matters. So if you've got a bunch of like creepy men following you because you look hot in a bikini, they're not going to spend as much money on your service as like a bunch of girls your age who are doing your style of training, right? Um, But getting that follow account up to start with, I think is important. You think about me, like I I go on people's accounts sometimes who are powerlifters and they're pretty like pretty good powerlifters and they're following me. And I think like I'm not elite enough for them to be following me. Like they don't care about how strong I am, surely. I think that if you can build that follow account, that then people go on your account, they see that you're a powerlifter and they're like, oh, I like powerlifting and this many people are following her. It must be mm. interesting. I'll follow her too. Mm. So I think that it does accumulate a bit when people see that high follow account, it accumulates. Do you know what I mean? It attracts more people of to course. actually commit to the follow button. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I see girls sometimes who I end up on like in rabbit holes and I'll see a girl and she's just the most, shredded gorgeous girl I've ever seen in my entire life she's a straight 10 and she's got like 8,000 followers and her content is good and I'm just like how 
Like how does like a chubby old me have so many more followers than you? And I think it's just like a, I think that the difference is that there's so much of that. There's so yeah. much yeah. abs on Instagram that it's just not enough anymore. I think it was. Um, but and I don't want this to dishearten people, but also the changes in the algorithm. I think I'm in the middle of the time where it was easy to build followers and the mm. time where it's like now where it's really hard to build followers. Mm. I think that I came along just as it started to get really hard. Um, mm. But sometimes I see someone who's got like 3 million followers and she's a girl who's in great shape. She's like a fitness girl. And if I look at how many comments they get, I'm getting more comments on my posts. And I don't think they're bought followers. I think that they started at a time where people just really nearly followed people. And a lot of those accounts are now inactive. Um, mm. But also uh, the algorithm was sorting by popularity. So it was cumulative the more... Uh, engagement you got on your post the more people saw your post Um, so I think it's just getting harder and harder in that sense too Mm. yeah definitely I suppose the things that you post that you talk about are in your captions are somewhat controversial but you do it in such a funny way that not many people get offended and if they do that's their problem but you sort of open the door for that engagement and for people to get around you and and all of that so it's a bit of fun well that's the vibes that I get from your page anyway if you want to have a laugh and, and learn some things, definitely uh, head to your page. So at Biker Biddy. That's me. That's yeah. It. And I think you raised a really good point about um, like, it's just so saturated with the same shit. So if you want to stand out, you just can't be like the rest and, and expect that. Uh, and like what we spoke about being authentic and being yourself and doing what you do is just a really good way to, to do that. Um, in saying that, you know, where can our listeners find you? Even though Danny gave you, gave you a plug already, can you give yourself another one and give your social media channels a shout out? Yeah, I'm probably not as on as many platforms as I should be, but um, I use TikTok for my entertainment, not so much for others, but I'm on TikTok <laughs> as Bikeybitty. I'm on Instagram as Bikeybitty. Um, I have a Facebook page, which is just regurgitated content from my Instagram, but you're more than welcome <laughs> to jump on there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Instagram's definitely my main um, jam. I was um, on the cusp of getting into YouTube when Rona hit. I had a few things booked in. So I'm going to do um, Bikeybitty tries niche sports. And I'm going to do like, mm. I'm going to do jousting. I'm going to drop in on a half pipe in rollerblades. I'm going to do yes. rodeos and I'm going to film it all. So. Fitness yeah. in all levels, right? Fitness in all no, levels. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. We'll keep an eye out for that. Well, thank okay. you for joining us, Paige. It's been a pleasure to have a chat with you and get to know you, even though I feel like we already did. Um, it's been a real pleasure. So um, thank you for jumping on. And guys and girls, if you um, did enjoy this episode, please do take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Danielle, tag Paige, and of course, the Level Up podcast. Love it. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's truly an honor.